Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Joe Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, King of OX. Hour two of Graybar Sports Open Line. Nate Gatter with you tonight in for Matt Pauley. He'll be back with you next week from Jupiter, Florida, as the Cardinals get cranked up at spring training. If you want to be a part of our conversations tonight, whether that's what we talked about with Aaron Schatz, the uh, Super Bowl, as well as his MVP selection, want to talk about the Chiefs and the 49ers on Sunday, or if you want to talk St. Louis Billikens basketball, as we did with Stu Durando of the Post-Dispatch, or if you're looking ahead to what we have left, which is Eli Hoff, of Mizzou men's ba- or uh, of the post dispatch covering Mizzou men's basketball, he'll be with us in about 15 minutes. Or Joe Roderick of Klabes Online talking more NFL from Vegas later on this hour. All of that or anything else that's on your mind, you can call or text 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. If you missed any of our first hour, want to go back and hear it. I thought uh, those interviews were particularly insightful. Aaron Schatz, obviously a, a guy who watches the NFL from a, a standpoint that very few do, the inventor of DVOA, one of the most popular advanced analytics stats out there. Uh, Aaron was with us at 620. You can hear any of that on the free Odyssey app. It's also the way to get us streaming live if you are out and on the go. From that text line, we got a a couple of more thoughts. One from uh, Mary Lynn in the 573 said, I'm hoping for a Chiefs win. I think you'd find a lot of that around St. Louis. It seems like even if there are some vocal anti-Chiefs people and some who don't really care, I do think the Chiefs are comfortably the number one team in St. Louis to a degree that was not as comfortable uh, a few years ago. Well-timed for them, their their, uh, run of dominance in the NFL shortly after the Rams departing St. Louis. I think that was sort of the perfect storm for Kansas City to try to seize some market share in Eastern Missouri. And certainly the Chiefs have obviously KMOX, uh, part of the the Chiefs radio network. So uh, plenty of people who uh, join Mary Lynn and hoping for that Chiefs win. Text from the 608 says uh, St. Louis needs another Rick Majerus, but they are hard to find. He was a great recruiter, Doug. Well, uh, I agree. I mean, certainly St. Louis, anybody could use another Rick Majerus. You know, I, I spend, I think, sometimes too much time talking about, uh, you know, my fan fiction, if you will, of what the next five to eight years of St. Louis men's basketball would have looked like had Rick Majerus uh, not, unfortunately, had his health fail him uh, when it did. Uh, that team, that alone, I would have loved to see him just able to coach that last season when he still had his core group of guys together. Uh, instead, Jim Cruz had to take over and, uh, you know, Cruz, good guy, not the coach that Rick Majerus is certainly nowhere near the recruiter that Rick Majerus uh, was. And uh, it, it fell off really quickly. 
I, I think even more so than being a great recruiter, not to say Rick Majerus was not, he was the kind of great recruiter that you need at the mid-major level, which was the kind of recruiter who identifies talent that is a little bit underrated. He wasn't pulling in super highly ranked recruits. The Dwayne Evans, Brian Conklins of the world were not lighting the world on fire in the recruiting rankings. Kwame Mitchell, I think, was the highest rated recruit of the Majerus era, and he was not a four-star, I don't think, probably a three-star. So we're talking about a guy who, you know, wasn't as highly rated as C.N. Murphy is this year for SLU, uh, certainly not as, you know, Yuri Collins and Hassan French were in the uh, the Travis Ford era. So I, I think more than anything, Majerus found those diamonds in the rough, and then he developed them really well. He kept guys for four or five years, and he developed them. Would he have been able to keep them and develop them as well with a transfer portal that's uh, as ubiquitous and as fluid as it is today, uh, who knows? Maybe not. But uh, that was that was certainly a glorious era. Uh, to, we had the text that we talked about just before uh, the break at the end of the hour from the three one four saying that Travis Ford is allowed to have a down season. I agree. Stability is key to the long term success of the program. I agree. If he follows with another clunker next year, then we can talk about coaching changes. I agree in the sense that if he had another clunker like this, I think coaching change is absolutely necessary. My only point is that. You buy yourself the luxury of down years, not just by being good, but by having some great. And unfortunately, in a league like the A-10, especially an A-10 that has lost the likes of Butler and Xavier and some of those top schools that that they had in the league uh, at, during the Majerus era, for instance, it's an A-10 where you no longer have the luxury of finishing fourth and getting an at-large. That's just not the reality of, of the Atlantic 10 Conference anymore, right? They're not even a temple in the league anymore. This is, this is a much weaker a 10 than it was at that time. And so you have to be really a high level basketball team within this conference to expect to get chances in the tournament. I don't think it's unreasonable for slew to expect to be making the tournament on a regular basis and not having to rely on maybe not a miraculous, but a, a, an overachieving run in the conference tournament. Like they got in 2019 to make the tournament. The only time they have under Travis Ford. So I, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. And I do think Stu Durando didn't want to put a percentage on it. I do think at this point, it's significantly more likely than not that Travis Ford is back next year, simply because of the financial factors at play and how difficult it would be for a, a, an athletics department, the size of slows to stomach, what will probably be a sizable buyout. Um, that doesn't mean it, it, he, they couldn't move on from him. Uh, if you get enough, push from the donors, if there's enough desire from the university uh, at the highest levels to make it happen, who knows? But my expectation at this point would be that Travis Ford is back, and hopefully that stability really works to, to Slew's advantage, and hopefully he turns it right around, and what we see is that this was a, a rebuilding year, and he's right back to being toward the top of the A-10 and, and can push back more to the level that they were last year of being that second-place A-10 team instead of a fourth or fifth. Now, to be fair, the 12 wins last year that got them tied for second were the same as the 12 wins they had the year before and two years prior to that in league play. So, again, not saying Travis Ford is a bad coach, just that at the level that he's getting paid, at the level of investment that SLU is putting in, they are not seeing right now the return for what they're paying, and I think that's objectively true, right? This is this is not a question of, was it right? When you draft a player in fantasy football in the first round, it's not enough for him to have been pretty good. You need him to be as good or better than the other guys drafted in the first round. That's the, that's the idea. 
while Travis Ford, by his salary, is at least a you know third-round fantasy football pick based on what he's making, and I don't think he's delivered those results to this point. Speaking, though, of guys who should be allowed down years, because I think that that leads us well into the conversation about Mizzou that we're going to be having in the next segment. Mizzou is worse than SLU relative to the level of competition. The Tigers are 0-10 in the SEC. They just lost at home by 19 points to Texas A&M on Wednesday night. Home losses to Arkansas, to South Carolina, to Florida, to South Carolina again, to Georgia. They, they've had a lot of chances. I mean, they had the, the embarrassing blowout in bragging rights uh, against Illinois. Uh, one of their best moments of the season was losing by only nine to Kansas on the road. This is, it's been an abysmal season for Dennis Gates and the Tigers. I don't think there's a single Missouri fan. Well, there probably is a single Missouri fan. There's always going to be at least one. But I don't think there are many who would be saying anything about Dennis Gates' job security. We knew this year was going to be a step back. Last year, he overachieved. This year, some of the patchwork he tried to do in the portal didn't come off as well as it did in year one. He has a really good recruiting class coming in in year three. Those are all things that factor into these conversations. To contrast it with Travis Ford, I think Dennis Gates already had, in fact, I don't think it's verifiably true. Dennis Gates already had a higher high last year than Travis Ford has had in any of his eight seasons as SLU's coach because he won an NCAA tournament game, something Travis Ford has never done, and he exceeded preseason expectations dramatically, something Travis Ford has never done as the Bills coach. On top of that, Dennis Gates is early in his tenure. Travis Ford is not early in his Dennis Gates inherited a program that was in a bad situation. Travis Ford also did, but it's well past the inheritance now. And maybe most importantly, that recruiting class. That's something that makes you say to the point to the degree that stability is important. It's largely because of what it allows you to do in recruiting. Dennis Gates has an A-list recruiting class lined up for next year. Travis Ford has signed uh, at last check one guy to come in, which which I assume means he's going to be living in the portal again. And maybe he thinks he can do better in the portal this year that he did uh, or next year than he did this year. But certainly I think their, their situations uh, contrast one another considerably. And we will talk to Eli Hoff of the post-dispatch coming up next about where things are for the Missouri Tigers right now. What's the outlook for the rest of the season? Maybe most importantly, what's the outlook for the next year or two to get people back to the good feelings they had at the end of last year. If you've got uh, questions for Eli, text him 314-436-7900. That's coming up next on Graybar Sports. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sports Open Line right here on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Great Bar Sports Open Line continues on a Friday night. Nate Gatter in for Matt Pauley. Joined now by Eli Hoff, who covers Mizzou for the Post-Dispatch. If you have any questions for Eli, you can text him at 314-436-7900. Eli, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Of course, of course. Always happy to be on. Well, obviously, this has not been the uh, storybook follow-up to Dennis Gates's storybook first season on the hardwood in Columbia. 25 wins last year, including one in the NCAA tournament. This season, a different story at 8-15, and 15, now 0-10 in the SEC, as bad a conference start as Missouri has ever had, a uh, few losses away. I think 13 is the program record losing streak. So that would be just Mississippi State o- this weekend and Ole Miss and Tennessee away from tying that. Uh, how low do you think morale has sunk in Columbia? Yeah, well, it's it's been a, a challenging season to say the least. Uh, and and you, you start to just look at these numbers, <laughs> including the ones you rattled off there, and, and it just it it it's hard to put positive spin on on this season because any sort of positive spin on the program right now is just looking at next year of this incoming freshman class and what the current crop of freshmen and Tamar Tamar Bates will be able to do next year. So it, it's a it's a pretty bleak picture. But the one thing you you can say about this team, it, the morale doesn't seem to to have them down when they're coming into games. The effort is still there, and it maybe leads to more disappointment in the aftermath for on on their part. But. Uh, but, yeah, a really rough follow-up season to a really remarkable first season for Coach Gates. We talked to Stu Durando in the last hour, your colleague uh, who covers the Billikens for the Post-Dispatch. And, and of course, the conversation around SLU basketball is all about job security of Travis Ford because SLU is having its worst season in a long time in year eight under Travis Ford. Mizzou is having maybe its worst, certainly its worst season since the Kim Anderson era and maybe one that could end up being worse. Kim Anderson won at least two games in the SEC in uh, each of his seasons, but the conversation is really not the same uh, in part for what you just talked about because of the incoming freshman class next year. And also because I think from last year alone, Dennis Gates put more than enough equity into the bank that this is a fan base that at least from what I've seen is not remotely turning on him. No, I, I think you're, you're right on there. Obviously uh, not a good year for, uh, for college basketball in Missouri in, in oh, general, as, as, as Stu has observed. Uh, more often than I think most people should as well. Uh, but when you when you look at what Coach Gates did last year and this year, the big picture of it, if if when he was hired, you said Mizzou would have one season where it struggles to get a win in SEC play and one season where it makes the NCAA tournament, I think most people would say that's you know maybe suboptimal, but okay for a for a new coach in the yeah. SEC. You would have just assumed it would have been the other way around, right? And that this season would be the tournament appearance. So uh, it, it's not necessarily that concerning the big picture. The recruiting class certainly helps. The way he's able to get locker room buy-in certainly helps. And the, the fact that some of this season, probably not all, but some can be attributed to injuries, I think also helps. So uh, no, no concerns over his job security at all. Now, if we're having the same conversation next year at this time, it's a different conversation at that point. Uh, but, but for now, certainly he's, uh, he's still got a, a good amount of leeway. 
He also has always just, and I don't know him well or anything, but he's always just struck me as somebody who is so calm and and so even keel and yet projects such an aura of confidence. It, it seems, if you just watch his demeanor and his body language, almost impossible to imagine he could fail at anything. No, it is, and it's, it's interesting covering him and, and talking to him more and more as this season goes on. Uh, just that that demeanor, he tends to not really, and I, I don't think it's a character, but I, I'd say, you know, he doesn't tend to break character very often in terms of he always is kind of has that, that calm confidence and that optimism. But uh, but after that loss to uh, to Arkansas a little over a week ago, it, he he broke away from that a little bit when he was talking to reporters after the game. He he apologized for the for the for the performance, which was not something I'd I'd seen him do before, and and he was he was pretty upfront in saying that the team wasn't meeting expectations with with what it was doing uh, at that moment in time. So he's he's become a little bit more candid and maybe realistic about what's going on right now as this season's gone on, but. Still, he's someone who he's he's finding a way to get buy-in from these players, and he he certainly hasn't lost the locker room by any means. So I think that confidence is still translating to something within his team. Uh, it just maybe isn't translating to to wins right now. Eli Hoff of the Post Dispatch is with us talking Missouri men's basketball on our Quiver River Electric guest line here on Gray Bar Sports Open Line on a Friday evening. Uh, let's go to the text line where we have uh, a couple of folks uh, weighing in from the 850, uh, or rather, uh, I should say from the 636. Any concern about losing uh, some of these recruits for next year based upon what is happening this year? Uh, no, no concerns at all right now. They have all signed their letters of intent, so they are locked in to come into the University of Missouri. Uh, they could, if it came to it, they could ask to be released, but it would be up to the university to release them from their commitments. Uh, they haven't asked. There's been no discussions of that. So as of right now, everyone's locked in. It, it seems to me that the pitch to them right now is, is hey, look at this team. We could use you. And that they're going to be able to come in and, and maybe compete for roles even a little bit quicker than expected next year. So no concerns with, with losing that incoming class right now. It's a good point that in any sport, there's always sort of a, a good and bad to whether the team, from a recruit standpoint, if the team's doing really well, great to join a great team, but might be hard to break into the rotation. And in this case, the flip side, that there should be uh, minutes and roles up for grabs. Uh, if you have questions for Eli, you can text him at 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. Uh, again, speaking about optimism for next year, which a, a lot of that does re- revolve around the incoming freshman class, which will be the biggest and the best, certainly the Dennis Gates has had so far at Missouri. Is there anybody, you mentioned Tamar Bates already, whether it's delving in more on him or, or looking at anybody else, is there anybody you've seen this year, anything you've seen this year that you are optimistic could carry over and, and lead to more success for the Tigers next season and beyond? Yeah, well, I think Tamar Bates is, is the obvious answer to that. Just you've seen what he's been able to do this year, slotting in pretty quickly here and, and seeing an increased role from what he did at Indiana. He's, he's not used to, to having this kind of role on a team and being uh, right now. He's, he's probably the second leading scorer, but next year certainly he'll go in as, as option A when it comes to the offense. So I, I think building around him again next year and giving him another year in this system will be very important. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting offseason for Aiden Shaw, and if he if he were to decide to enter the portal, if he decides to come back and just what his future looks like. And then obviously for this current crop of freshmen right now, they'll, they'll continue getting more and more minutes down the stretch here, I'd imagine. And so seeing what a, a leap looks like from year one to year two for them, that's another year in the strength and conditioning program and the nutrition program, you know, getting getting up to those kind of 
college basketball level bodies that these guys who are who are 22 and 23 have had for a couple of years that'll all be very important to sort of seeing how that player development process plays out mississippi state the matchup tomorrow at home 7 30 tip off for missouri hosting the bulldogs that's on sec network that is uh the eighth to last game of the regular season for mizzou so eight sec games go uh still left to go Let's put you on the spot here, Eli. Mizzou is 0-10 in the SEC. They have eight regular season games left. Will the Tigers, how many do you think the Tigers win the rest of the way over under, let's say, two and a half of the final eight games? I, I think it, it, it's tough because you look at the analytics models and, and they'll project two wins, but Mizzou's the underdog in every game from here on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think two wins is, is the benchmark that if, if they get over that, you know, then then they've they've beat the odds, I guess you could say. Um, I, I think I'm looking at, at the trip down to Arkansas as another potential win, facing that team another time. Maybe Mizzou's a little bit fired up uh, with just the motivation that comes from from having gotten beat pretty bad on your own court. You you think that maybe gives them a, a little fire when they go down to Fayetteville, uh, and then and then that game at home against Ole Miss in early March. It's the rally for Ryan game in which Mizzou always tends to perform well in that game. Uh, I think there'll be a good crowd there. It's a little bit later in the season, and so depending where Ole Miss is at, maybe they're coasting at that point. I think that's another one that Mizzou could could steal. So I think those two are winnable. But the the bigger picture here too is is you know avoiding having the donut in the record books oh, and, yeah. and going winless is obviously a big deal. But you know, is two wins much better than one? Is three much better than two? I don't, I don't know at that point. A bad season is a bad season. A bad season certainly is a bad season. Uh, For those of you, our our listeners who might not be familiar, Rally for Ryan game has been uh, going on at Mizzou uh, in honor of former Mizzou assistant coach and assistant AD Brad Luce's daughter, Ryan, who who, uh, had cancer and has uh, done really well in her fight against cancer. It was a a fundraising mechanism. And even those terrible Mizzou teams in the Kim Anderson era, which is when it started, have always tended to play well in that game for whatever reason. So maybe Mizzou can count on uh, at least that one. Real quick before we let you go, Eli, one more, because we do have one more text from the 314 talking about those recruits for next year, which understandably are on a lot of fans' minds. How many teams turn down requests to get out of letters of intent? In other words, how common would it be if a recruit did ask to be released from a letter, which we know nobody has, that a university would say no? Yeah, it's it's pretty rare for recruits even to ask. Um, you know, generally they, they have a sense of, of the program that they want to go to. And, and generally they don't care too much of what happens with the previous team. They're going to that program because they have confidence in their own abilities to, to turn it around. And they're going because they want to attend that school and work with that particular coaching staff. So where you tend to see the, the request to release recruits a lot more often is with coaching changes. And so if, if Dennis Gates was no longer the coach, those players are still committed to the program. That's a situation where they'd maybe say, hey, I, I committed to Coach Gates. I you know, want to reevaluate my options if, if he's not going to be the one there. Uh, you see this a lot in football. It's happened this offseason with some of those high-profile coaching changes in football. So uh, it's, it's not super common in a general sense. It mostly has to do with coaching changes and, and giving recruits some flexibility to move if, if they're no longer going to be playing for the coach they committed to. Well, Eli, we appreciate you, and uh, I'm glad for you that you've sort of gotten uh, both ends, what you've been on the on the beat for all of uh, five months, and you've gotten uh, the best Mizzou football team in years and the worst Mizzou basketball team in years, top of the S- or almost the top of the SEC and, and now the bottom. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about balanced journalism, and I, I guess that's, <laughs> uh, that's just what I'm getting with, uh, with this job. So it's, it's, been a, 
been a pretty crazy ride so far, but but just a, a fantastic opportunity, and I'm, I'm grateful to be doing it. Fair and balanced indeed. We appreciate you, Eli. Thanks a lot for being with us. For sure. Have a good rest of your evening. That's Eli Hoff joining us here on Sports Open Line. You can follow him on Twitter at by Eli Hoff, and you can read him at the Post-Dispatch. Graybar Sports Open Line continues after this. Joe Roderick of Claims Online will be with us next on KMOX. Nate Ganner in for Matt Pauley this evening on Graybar Sports Open Line into our final half hour. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hope you've enjoyed it half as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. We are visiting now with our second man calling in live from Vegas. This time it's Joe Roderick of Klabes Online. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing good, Nate. How's everything back there? I think it's a lot warmer in St. Louis than it is in Vegas. It's a little bit less fun, though, I think. Probably, yes. That That's true. But if we could split the difference, I think it's about 40 <laughs> degrees here and 70 there. So I think I told somebody earlier today, I said, imagine – if things went the way they should have with the Rams relocation, we would have built that stadium on the river and we could have had this Super Bowl instead of Vegas and it would have been perfect weather for it. I think you just ripped a, quite a few people's hearts out all at once. <laughs> just had to start that in an way. Al- in an alternate universe somewhere. Oh, St. Man. Louis is hosting a Super Bowl this weekend. Yeah. Speaking of Rams Super Bowls, I saw you had an interview uh, with Kurt Warner up this week. How about that? Yeah, he uh, he was great, and it's it's unfortunate because every year that we seem to talk to Kurt, for the last several years, the topic of conversation has been about Tory Holt and yeah. if he's going to get into the Hall of Fame and if it's going to be his year. And I I know that Howard Balzer is the guy that presents Tory Holt at the Hall of Fame meetings every year, and. He has presented so many of the Rams from the greatest show on turf days and gotten them into the Hall of Fame or helped get them into the Hall of Fame. And he does it with Tory every year. And every year he looks for a new angle to try to make Tory look better, even though he's been retired for a decade. It tries to somehow spin the numbers for it. And I think Kurt said it best in, in my talk with him. He said, you know, these guys, Hall of Fame guys out there that are getting 100 catches plus a year, he goes, that's great. He goes, they have to understand, I had to give 80 catches to Isaac, 80 catches to Tory, and then I had Marshall back there too. He, he's like, I had to spread this around to everybody, and all of these guys still put up Hall of Fame numbers. And he's like, I, I just don't think that, I don't think that the voters realize just how good these guys were but they had they played with each other instead of just a one-off. Like, and I think the perfect example last night, Andre Johnson. If Torrey Holt played on a team that had a record of like the Texans did during Andre Johnson's entire career, my goodness, Torrey Holt's numbers would have blown away the numbers that Andre Johnson ended with. It's just I don't think people take into account just how good Torrey was and how good that greatest show on turf team was. To your point, I mean, you know, and Kurt talking about, you know, I can't get him 100 balls every year. You know, Torrey caught over 100 balls twice, and he caught 90-plus in six straight seasons during that that run of going over 1,000 yards, hell, going over 1,100 yards in uh, eight years in a row from 2000 to 2007. Let's flip it the other way, I guess, just as like a fun thought exercise. What do you think, or maybe you know, what is the argument against Tory Holt in the Hall of Fame? Is it just raw numbers? I, I think it is. At this point, I think it is, and that I think he, 
maybe didn't play long. Maybe they'll say he didn't play long enough. And maybe he needed to go and have the success that in other markets where when, when he left St. Louis, maybe that would have showcased him a bit more, but and maybe I don't I don't know if there is a bias of it. If people the, these voters don't realize how good the team was, I mean it took more it took more than a year for Orlando Pace to get into the Hall of Fame. And when you talk to somebody about the just when you talk to somebody about dominant offensive linemen, Orlando Pace's name is usually one of the first ones out of their mouths. And the fact that he wasn't a first guy a first ballot Hall of Famer says says a lot. So maybe it's it's some sort of bias with that, but I, I do believe that over I mean, when you look at some of the wide receivers that are coming in over the next few years, okay, if we're gonna say Andre Johnson was there, I I, I know that Tory Holt finished above Reggie Wayne in the voting this this time. I gotta think that Tory Holt's better than Steve Smith when it comes to a Hall of Fame resume. The one that might end up knocking Tory back another year is the fact that Larry Fitzgerald's about to be up too. Yeah. According to pro football uh, reference, which tries to boil every player's number down into a hall of fame monitor number, uh, Tory Holt has the 13th highest number in NFL history, 108.2, which is significantly better than the 101. That is the average hall of famer, significantly better than Isaac Bruce. Who's in with a 99.4 to your point. Andre Johnson only has a 91.9. Let's the the list of guys, the twelve guys in front of him, uh, on this Hall of Fame monitor number: Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, all in. Larry Fitzgerald, who will be in shortly. Terrell Owens, Steve Largent, James Lofton, Lance Allworth, Chris Carter, Tim Brown, all in. Reggie Wayne, Julio Jones, almost certainly in, and Torrey Holt. It, it, it's tough yeah, there it's tr- to keep him to say the line is drawn between Julio Jones and Torrey Holt. Yeah, it's it's a travesty. It really is. It's a travesty that he's not in, and hopefully, hopefully one day he will be in, and hopefully all of the greatest show on turf guys are able to enjoy it with him because you know it's it's just it's a shame that it's taking this long. So now that we've gotten off of our Tory Holt soapbox, which I didn't necessarily intend to to spend uh, half of our time with you on, but I'm glad that we did. Um, we yeah, can... and it ends up. Be, and I mean, it ends up being a conversation every year too. Right. It really does. It's it, every every year I have gone to the Super Bowl that he has been up for it. Always, always ends up being about Tory Holt's Hall of Fame resume and why he's not in yet. So no, it's it's perfectly it's, it's perfectly fine. Uh, let's turn our attention to the the game on Sunday. Now, uh, what forty six hours or so away from kickoff between the Chiefs and the Forty ers uh, Who do you like and why? I I like the Chiefs in this one because of the quarterback play. Patrick Mahomes has been there many times in his career. I trust Patrick Mahomes more than I trust Brock Purdy. And I, I, as it, much in some ways as it is that simple, yeah, isn't it? It for me it is. For me it is. There are so many weapons on that San Francisco team, and I, I feel like it will be a very entertaining game. I, I feel like it will be a close game. I think it will come down to the second-year quarterback making a mistake and Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things in big games. I think the weapon, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, just the weapons that San Francisco had, George Kittle, they will keep them in this game and keep it close. I think Patrick Mahomes just puts puts the Chiefs on his back to win his, win his third Super Bowl. 
Joe Roderick of Claves Online is with us from Vegas here on Graybar Sports Open Line. Uh, one more quick one since uh, we were talking to Eli Hoff, who covers Mizzou for the Post-Dispatch, talking about basketball in the last segment. I should ask you, uh, I saw you had an interview as well with Darius Robinson, Mizzou defensive lineman, who really impressed uh, last week uh, at the Senior Bowl, it sounded like, getting a lot of first-round buzz around him. What was that conversation like? How does it seem like he's handling uh, all this attention? He he loves it. I think he's he's also so big. <laughs> he is large, huge, <laughs> just this obscene up close. The size of his arms; those are those are NFL ready arms. It made you that, think you probably couldn't has. block him, right? Before then, you were like, I could block Darius Robinson, and then after the interview, you thought, mm, I don't know, maybe fifty fifty. With one hand, he could have just pushed me across the room <laughs> there at uh, at Radio Row. It's. He is, his arms were massive, but as we talked about, he moved from defensive end to defensive uh, to, in, to the inside, and I think he's shown he has a lot of vers- uh, versatility uh, on that on the line, and I think has made him even more attractive to a lot more teams. And I think that if that first round grade is, is sticks, I, I think we'll hear his name up in Detroit on that first day. And if if he's where I mean, he told me he's working down in Florida now. He is trying to just I mean, trying to improve all these numbers to impress at the combine now in a few weeks. And he said he's ready. He's he's looking forward to Indy in the combine here in April. Joe, we appreciate your time uh, as always tonight. Enjoy uh, the last uh, couple of days there in Vegas. Absolutely appreciate it. Thank you. Joe Roderick of Klabes Online with us on Graybar Sports Open Line. We'll take a break. One more segment to wrap up. You got any miscellaneous thoughts? Anything we haven't addressed tonight? Well, now's the time to call or text 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. Get your voice on KMOX. Only a few minutes left on Graybar Sports Open Line. Nate Gatter in for Matt Pauley. He'll be back with you next week from Jupiter, Florida at Cardinal Spring Training. We do have a, a couple of... Cardinals texts and uh, Ethan Hannaford. We probably should talk a little bit of Cardinals because otherwise two hours will go by and we'll have no cards talk. Uh, let's start with the easier one. What do you think of the Corbin birds trade? Does that put the Cardinals even with the Brewers? Now I feel like I'm, I'm surprised that the Brewers didn't get a little bit more. Um, obviously they were under the cosh a little bit with Burns being down to his last year in his contract and everybody sort of knowing that marriage was not going to last over the long term. I think everybody's known that since his arbitration hearing uh, around this time last year. Um, does that put the Cardinals even with the Brewers now? I don't know what to do with the central. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's wide so open. Unpredictable. Um, I, I think the Reds are not getting the credit they deserve either considering the, I think clearly in my mind, the Reds have the most talent in the central. Now it's relatively young and unproven, uh, but I think clearly the Reds are the most talented team. The Cardinals are probably the second most talented team. And in terms of combination of talent and proven production, I think you have to put the Cardinals number one. No, I would agree. I think honestly, the question that I constantly find myself asking myself about a lot of these central teams and the Brewers are one of them is it seems like there's such a confusion upon what their identity is. There's never a clear, we are going all in, we're going to buy, we're going to invest in what is on the field, and we're going to make sure that this team is a legitimate contender for a World Series. Which is another thing to like about the Reds. I think they were so clearly selling, and now they're so clearly on the upswing. They have had a clear direction now, whether you like the direction or not, they've had a clear direction for each of the last five or six seasons. Right. We We see the Brewers now trade away Corbin Burns. There's talks about Woodruff. 
you know, there had been talks about being, trading away Woodruff. They sign Reese Hoskins to a two-year deal, yeah. which seems like a really good addition, but it almost seems very similar to what the Cubs did last year when they brought in Stroman, when they brought in Cody Bellinger. And you, I, it's, it's really hard for me to figure out what these teams are trying to do. Regardless, if you're... I think that it's a really dangerous spot to be where you're not fully committed to one or the other because you are settling for mediocrity and you're you're really settling for going nowhere. And I, that is the one place that I think fans cannot stand to be. Yeah, it's interesting too. And you mentioned Cody Bellinger. Worth noting that there are still some guys out there floating around um, who, who are available. And Cody Bellinger is one of them. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Matt Chapman. None of those guys have signed yet. Um, you know, and and any of them could make big impact, especially those first three could make really big impacts. Doesn't on that a team. seem doesn't that seem so odd? I don't remember the last time that there was this many big name free agents. I mean, players are reporting to spring training next week, and there are still I, I do yeah. not remember the last time we had this many big name free agents still unsigned. Especially because big dominoes have fallen, and yes. yet some of these sort of still big but not biggest dominoes are standing uh, to the question. The Cardinals now, according to DraftKings, are even on odds with the Cubs. Both are plus 185 to win the central. Uh, I think that's probably about right. Uh, I do like the Cardinals at this point to win the central. I think they're most likely. I think if pure value, the Reds at plus 340, probably the one that I would look at. I would consider them sort of in the mix just because their range of outcomes is so big. You know, they could probably win 78 games. They could probably win 94 games and, and neither one would be shocking. We don't have enough time to talk about it. We did get a text uh, and this has been circulating in St. Louis media recently about taking a flyer on Trevor Bauer. I don't feel qualified to discuss that. I mean, obviously uh, there's a lot of legal murkiness there. Obviously Trevor Bauer uh, would be a, a boost to the Cardinals rotation a at the very least. The, the chance of upside would be more than worth taking from a pure baseball standpoint. I don't think anybody has enough information to really go into that. I'm sure major league teams are doing their vetting. And if they felt comfortable taking a swing on him legally, they would do so. So at, at this point, I think we have to refer to the people who have the information. That's all tonight for Ethan Hannaford, Nate Gatter saying good night. This has been Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.